You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and on this episode I have a chat to Sheridan from at Book Nook Reviews and my friend Andrew. We're going to discuss our top World War II reads as well as share with you what World War II books we think everybody needs to read. And just a warning, there may be some spoilers on this episode. Hello and welcome to the Bookstore and Podcast, Sheridan and Andrew. How are you both? Good, thank you. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm very good. Very good, thank you. Excellent. I hope that you are both excited to talk about one of my favourite genres of books. Very excited. Excited and nervous. I haven't talked, uh, spoken about um, World War II books to anyone like this before. Good. I think sometimes it's something that people don't tend to talk too much about, or there might be one sort of fleeting book that they're not always necessarily grouped together in this way. So I think it, I think it will be a very interesting conversation. Our first icebreaker question for our podcast today, so we can get to know each other. And so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more is what is your favorite World War II book? Sheridan, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, my favourite World War II book is a book I read recently called The Librarian of Auschwitz or Auschwitz. And it's about this young girl who is tasked with hiding the contraband, well, the books, on her body so that the Nazis don't find them. And it's about her struggle with choosing her life and choosing education. I also have read that book and I really enjoyed it. I feel like sometimes using the word enjoy to describe a book that is about World War II and what happened during World War II, not the right word. I think Mm. maybe let's use the word insightful. I found that book particularly insightful because it was written from a child's perspective in Auschwitz. We have a lot of adult perspectives, but not so many about children. Mm, Definitely. It was interesting on your point there, Tegan, um, when I was looking up, you know, what World War II books there are on the lists on Goodreads, the, it was initially called the, my favourite World War II books. And a lot of the comments were like, uh, favourite seems like the wrong word. So they rewrote it to say the most well-written. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. And what do you think is your most well-written World War II book that you've read, Andrew? Uh, so mine is uh, a non-fiction book. It's Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, So he was a psychiatrist in, I think he was in three or four camps over three years. Um, He wrote the book after he, I think, after he left the camps. And he was, I think the most famous quote is, he who has a why to live for can bear with any, any, almost any how. Being quite an enthusiast for psychology and I study it, um, it has, it comes up a lot in like therapeutic technique on how to find meaning in life. And it seems like finding meaning in circumstances like World War II has a big lesson for any age. Yeah, definitely. I didn't quite catch, was that from the perspective of a Jewish person or a Nazi? Uh, He was Jewish. Okay. So he had the opportunity to, well, he could have evaded the camps, but the, I guess, I can't remember what it was officially called, but the visa he had um, only covered himself and not his parents. So he opted to not take that out. 
Mm. I think a lot of the time why people write their stories down who are victims or survivors of World War II is to find meaning in their stories and to share their stories so others can glean meanings from them as well. A book that I thought was the most well-written of World War II was The Book Thief. And it is one of my top reads. And the, the fact that it's told from the perspective of death is something that's so unusual. And I still find every time I pick it up, I'm left in awe of how well it is written. Although I know that it is probably a book that sits on most people's top reads who particularly like historical fiction, I can't not mention it. My, my conscience would not be clean if I didn't say that this is my favorite World War II book. It's funny too, because both the Library in Auschwitz and the Book Thief have that theme of the book burning and, and keeping fiction as sacred, essentially, really. What I like about the two of them is one shows a Jewish child protecting books and the other shows a German child protecting the books who should be on the other side, if that makes sense. Yeah. So she should be on the side of burning, but she's yeah. not. It is definitely a beautiful correlation uh, between those two stories. So Sheridan, your bookstagram handle is at the book nook reviews. Can you describe your bookstagram feed for us? I have a lot of trouble describing it because I, it depends on my mood, my mood. So if I'm feeling spooky and Halloween-y, it'll be dark and gloomy, usually skeletons. And if I'm feeling minimalistic, I guess, it's usually just like a white background, one or two props, and that's it. So it really depends on my mood. <laughs> and your cat features in some of your photos as well. Yes, she's very beautiful. I want to feature her more, but... I'm in a house where she can't be here, but I'm going to a new house next year sometime where she will be there again. So we might see her start to reemerge in some of your posts. And what are some of the benefits to having a specialized book account on Instagram? Definitely connecting with people. For example, at my school, I made friends with one of my best friends at the time because we both did bookstagram. And through that, our librarian at the school connected us with the author Brie Lee and we did an interview with her and it was crazy. Um, she wrote Eggshell Skull, which is about the female experience in court in Australia. Another good thing is bookish products. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I love candles. And bookish candles are, they just hit different. That's so good. <laughs> what sort of, like, I, how, could, how would you describe it? Like, I need to smell it now. So I have a candle that's scented like Mr. Darcy. Oh, really? And it smells exactly what you think it would smell like. Like oh, that's so forest, tea, just mm, perfect. Oh, um, you were saying before that... Um, you found Bookstagram better than Goodreads. I was mm -hmm. wondering why that was. So I find Bookstagram easier to navigate. So 
you can easily comment, you can easily see what people are interested in. And I, for some reason, my phone doesn't like to notify me about Goodreads, but it does with Instagram. So it's just easier that way. I, I find the aesthetics of Instagram to be so pleasing as well and how creative people can get. So they might post a photo and an image that has similar to your sword Sheridan is different props that also relate to the story. So there's kind of a creative spin a lot of the time on what people do. And I find that I'm able to see more people's reviews than I can on Goodreads or you have to wade through less thousands of different reviews to find something um, or to connect with someone. I do find, and it's part of the reason why I started the podcast on either form, sometimes the comment box just isn't enough and you need to have a conversation with someone about books. But I also find the Bookstagram community to be one that's really wholesome and kind. And I've never had an issue with someone who disagrees on what I've said and, or has tried to have a go at me because of my opinions. It's very much so a welcoming community. So it's definitely something you should consider doing, Andrew. And it's easier to communicate to other people what books you want to read, like aesthetically, whereas on Goodreads, you have to go to their want to read list and just scroll and scroll and scroll. But on Bookstagram, you can just post whatever books you want. Is it easy to see like the reviews? Is it attached to the picture? Sometimes so usually it's you, the caption. Yeah. If you also, if you're interested in looking at reviews for a book, usually if you put in the hashtag and then the book's title, you will then be able to find posts that people have got of that particular book and wade through them that way. So does that mean there's lots of the authors are on there as well? You said before that you teed up an interview with, with Bree Lee. Is that how yeah. that happened? Yeah, a lot of authors, if you tag them in your photo of their book, will like it or comment. I know a couple of the bigger Australian bookstagrammers have pretty good relationships with authors and they get to see them at like conventions and have conversations about their books, which is super cool. And it can be a little bit intimidating sometimes when an author likes your review. So also I always make sure that if I am going to say or rate something probably under three stars, I definitely don't tag the book title. Yeah, for sure. No one wants to be tagged in a bad review. It's <laughs> a good point. I will keep that in mind. Although I, it's, I don't know, do you guys often give ratings under three stars? If I don't enjoy it that much, I don't say much because I don't like to discourage people from reading books because every book has something to give for someone. I definitely give books under three stars, but when I have a look at my stats overall, it's usually three or four stars that I rate books. It has to be something pretty up and down, I have to say, to then want to give it only two it probably is something that I should have not continued reading if it's a two-star read. Mm. So hopefully the books that we're going to discuss now are worth a bit more than two or three stars on our list. But why do you read this genre, Andrew? Why do you like to read World War II books? I think mainly because it's emotional. Like it tests your 
understanding of human nature and how people can live both with themselves and with the circumstances that are going on in their lives. Um, and it, I think it helps you learn a lot about what you would do in a similar situation if that would ever come to pass and hopefully not. Um, but I guess the main reason is that that empathy side of things, the being able to see what the world was like and how it came to pass. But it's also why I like to see books written from the sides that, I mean, winners and losers is not really the right term, but the opposite side. So the access powers, that sort of thing, like the people that went along, you know? Um, so both sides of things, it's, it, it, it gives you an insight into why or how that could have happened. And sometimes there's multiple sides as well. It, there's many different oppositions and many different countries and many different political parties and opinions. So this is an ever-growing genre of books. What about you, Sheridan? Why is it that you like to read World War II books? I like to read them to remember what happened. So it's like a sense of duty to live these experiences myself, to feel the empathy so that I know to not let it happen again in my own life, which relates to such things as racism and calling it out in my own life and remembering how bad it can go left unchallenged. And for me, I particularly like this genre because I really in I really soak up history. Learning about history is something that I feel is really important. And through reading books about World War II in particular, there's so much to learn. And so many people were impacted by this conflict that there is hundreds of stories and hundreds of different perspectives that every time I pick up a World War II book, there's, a, there's something different that I'll learn and I'll take away from that genre. So talking about some particular books now, if there was three books that are from this genre that you would say are your top reads, what would they be? Sheridan, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, I would say I have a top two and then an even level underneath. So the top two is Librarian of Auschwitz or Auschwitz and The Book Thief. And some other ones is Catch-22 is quite good. And I have this book called The Meaning of Hitler, which delves into how it was able to come to such power and the psychology of it and how people were able to let such atrocities slide when it was so obviously wrong. And what about you, Andrew? What are your top three reads of this genre? So mine are... I, I haven't really ranked them as one, two, three, but the top three would fall in Schindler's Ark. Um, I read that, I think, straight out of grade 12. And I still remember sort of like the anxiety you feel as the gradual edicts came through about uh, limiting the, the freedoms of the Jewish population, that sort of thing. Um, and we went to the museum, uh, Schindler's Museum in, in Krakow. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was just so moving um, and such a, uh, and the, the link to the book just helped like understand what happened there and it felt much more personal. 
The other one, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Not a traditional World War II book, but the main character escaped Prague um, during the Nazi occupation. And it details uh, the golden age of comics and how there's like two stories going on at the same time on how they face some pressure in limiting how far they went in depicting the characters fighting Hitler or the Axis powers because initially the governments were wanting to take a more uh, pacifist approach. Um, but also Joe, uh, sorry, the main, one of the main characters has um, like his family's still over there and he's trying to earn money to bring them back over. Um, and then eventually I won't spoil it, but he ends up going to fight and you know, it, it it's a very, it, it, the character development's quite good, I thought. A lot of the reviews don't say that, but I thought it's quite good. Um, and the other one was An Artist of, a, of the Floating World by Kazuo Ishiguro. Um, again, not traditionally well too, but the, so it's told by the perspective of uh, like a Japanese artist who went on board with the propaganda um, campaign leading up to World War II and during, and you know, he was, informed the police um, about and really adopted that far-right politics but it, it sort of like tracks afterwards like how he's ostracized by society and how <clears throat> how he's got some regrets but then he goes backwards on that and to me that's why I liked it so much because it shows that these people that were still on the far right this they were still human and this person is obviously flawed based on his own admissions. Um, but it also shows how do you re like, how do you mend that? How do you bring everyone together after such events and such devastating events as well? So those are my top three. I think that the stories that also deal with the aftermath of world war two are particularly interesting and some of my my top three as well definitely delve into the aftermath or the lead up. So I have already mentioned the book Thief. So for sense of variety, I've given another one in its place. So one of mine would be Winter of the World by Ken Follett. It is the second book in the Century Trilogy and it explores war from multiple perspectives and the book continually shifts between British characters, German characters, American characters, and at different times in the story, their lives also intertwine. So there's times when borders are shut off and they're removed from their families or they, they can't communicate with them. And that is particularly something that's quite heartbreaking. And as I say it now, it, it feels something a bit similar to what some of us are experiencing across our borders as well, is that we can't all go and see our loved ones as easily as we used to. My other one is quite a recent read and is The Pearl Thief by Fiona McIntosh. So the leading character in this story is from uh, Czechoslovakia and she's living in the aftermath of the tragedy. So we get some flashbacks throughout, as, throughout that highlight her experiences when her family heirloom jewels turn up which are the byzantinian pearls at the british museum her story starts to unravel and i love that this piece of jewelry becomes 
the center point and a bit of a motif throughout the story as well. And I recently read The Diamond Hunter by Fiona McIntosh as well. And the Byzantinian pearls are also mentioned in that story too. So there's a nice through line between her books. And my other one, which I haven't read for a while, and when I was looking through my Goodreads account and I came across it, I remembered how much I love it and I really need to try and reread it now that I've nearly smashed my Goodreads goal. And that is The Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doa. I'm pretty sure his name is pronounced. And one of the characters is a blind French girl and the other is a German boy and their paths become intertwined throughout the story. But considering half of the story is from the perspective of, a, of someone who is blind, it is, it is incredibly written. So considering one of the characters doesn't have sight, the fact that there's this incredible poetic and figurative language used throughout the story, it just invites you in and immerses you in the world so beautifully. So that would be my other pick for a top three. Another important book, I think, even though it's nonfiction, is The Diary of Anne Frank. It's telling you exactly what happened to her with no, I'm going to say made up, even though most of the elements are not made up in the other ones. And it shows you exactly how she feels, what she went through from her perspective, which is incredibly important. I have a special story about my copy of the diary of Anne Frank. And when I was visiting Amsterdam, I actually had never read it. And I went to the annex and visited the annex and I purchased my copy from the, from the gift shop in the annex. So it feels really special to have a copy uh, that, that is, that is very close to where the initial story was written. What's one world war two book you think everyone should read? I, I, I would probably still say that's one of the reasons why it's my favourite book is because I do think that uh, it's important to read. It's like we're talking about, it's first-hand account. It's, it's told by a perspective of, of someone that's trying to understand what's going on around them and, and, and living through it. And I think at the end uh, of, I think it's the first section because the second section is more about um, like psychology and therapy is the realization that all the hope that everyone or the majority of people that lived uh, through the through the camps the things that were sustaining them that are the hopes of seeing family or, or or what have you didn't come to pass and how do you deal with that afterwards as well when you've been held on to that idea the whole time and it's it hasn't been realized i guess in all that time I just think that's so devastating, but at the end of the day, a lot people still went on and they found an, either found a new purpose or, or it just came to terms with what their lives are now and how to, how to accept that and move forward. Um, it's a man's search for meaning, isn't it? The one that you're talking about. Yeah. So the book that I've picked that I think everybody should read is very similar to yours, Andrew, in the way that it talks about what happens in the aftermath. And it also talks about that sort of search for hope and how people have moved on with their lives. And it is the happiest man on earth by Eddie Yaku. I devoured it. I listened to it as an audio book 
it was so beautifully done the way it was written. So it was in a chronological order, but the author himself almost told little stories in a, in a very circular way within each chapter. So he might start by talking about family and the importance of family and then tell us a story that connects his family to World War II and what, what occurred and what happened and then comes back to it by the end of the chapter. And there were so many wise words that he mentions as well within the book. And one of the most shocking things is that he says he does not hate Hitler. And he talks about the reasons why he doesn't hate anybody. And it's so admirable. I, I really fell head over heels in love with this book and what it has to offer everybody. And I feel like everybody should read that book. Did you say you listened to it as well, like an audiobook? Does he self-narrate it? No, somebody else does, but you forget because the person who narrates it has this um, inflection or accent over the top of, uh, well, it, I don't know whether that is their nationality or they're acting with it on, but it's so beautifully done. It's about seven hours long. It's not a very long book. I had to go and purchase the hard copy of it afterwards and just highlight so many quotes that he said, and at different times of my life, I can definitely see myself coming back to this book when I'm in need of some hope. The, you know how it was, so we're talking about the, uh, the first-hand accounts and also, you know, we mentioned a few authors that have written books that obviously didn't experience it firsthand. Um, and I thought it was like five minutes before we started, and I thought, oh, this would have been a good question. But do you think there's like a different onus on authors who, 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 wrote, who write about World War II now um, who, who didn't experience it? Do you think there's different rules for like those types of authors? I think it's a bit of a tough topic considering the controversy with American Dirt. Did you? Mm. you yeah. So I think if you use actual accounts and you don't, make it seem ridiculous or make fun of it in any way, then it's fine. And for example, the librarian of Auschwitz was written based on someone's story. So it's a true story, but someone else wrote it. So, and I think that's a perfect way to do it. Yeah. I see the perspective from a few different angles. So my first one is, is as a creative person and as someone who's a drama teacher as well, one of the ways that we teach students about empathy is actually taking on the roles and characters of other people. So for me, I feel that authors are going through that process of taking on a certain character or perspective to learn more about it and also informing other people about it as well. But I do think that authors who write books about time periods that people can still remember or people who are still alive during that time, they might even be writing about characters who still, characters or people who are still alive or they still have relatives that are alive and know who they are. I think they do face a tougher audience and they have a tougher scrutiny against what they write for that very same reason. So it's some, writing a historical fiction book has been something that I would really like to do one day, but I wouldn't touch a time period where people can still remember it. I think that's what the issue was with American Dirt. 
because mm. it's something that's still occurring, but not to the author themselves. Yeah. yeah, so just to clarify with American Dirt, you're talking about the fact that she's writing from a different ethnicity, not necessarily different time period. Uh, I would, I'd say so, but I don't, it's hard to explain because <laughs> I, I think, think that... some could argue that writing from a Jewish perspective would be a similar thing. When The Boy in the Striped Pajamas came out, um, a lot of, I think there's a little bit of... I forgot I about that book. That book is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, that was, the controversy was um, a lot of boys that age would not have survived and gone on to be in the camp. They would have gone straight to the chambers. Um, and because I sort of go on this sort of side of the fence, like it's, is it better to write a story to try and help people understand, maybe make it a little bit more palatable so people can actually test themselves if they're not ready to, than to, I guess, be strictly historically accurate. As long as you're obviously not changing history, it's, I feel like it's acceptable to be able to uh, write something to A, help you uh, process what you think about something. But then if you go on to publish it, I think that's a different story because you need to understand like you were saying, the amount of, the people that can remember it now, whether that is um, still their story, it is their story. So are you claiming that as your own or are you just helping to further an understanding of their own story? And I think the other thing that, that people perhaps look past a little bit too often is it's called historical fiction a lot of these books that we've discussed about today. And whenever you pick up a piece of historical fiction, you have to be aware that that word fiction doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's all true. And there are going to be some fabrications and some characters who didn't exist and some timelines messed around a little bit to suit the plot of the story. So I think if you're ever picking up a historical fiction book, you have to have that in the back of your mind, no matter what whether or not it's world war ii or a complete other genre you can't expect to pick up something about tudor england or ancient egypt and it's a history book word for word and i think authors who write books from a time period that's much further from our own don't face the kind of scrutiny that some of the authors who are writing from our current time periods face yep and there's that quote, history is told by the winners. So we're never going to fully know what the other side was experiencing unless one of them tells us. So in that way, I guess historical fiction authors do kind of have to make things up that would be true. So in The Book Thief, a young girl that wants to read stealing books might have happened but we don't know that that happened. <laughs> I don't know if, dear, if that made any sense. No, so I think you're saying, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, it's a plausible scenario to explore that through. And it's, I think a book thief is quite well done in doing that. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about World War II books. Thank you for such a good chat. I had such a fun time. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And Meeting you both. Oh, meeting. And <laughs> stay tuned for Andrew's bookstagram. Yes. <laughs>
right? <laughs> You'll have to let me know what your handle is. What's, is that the at thing? Yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Learning stuff already. It's been very informative. <laughs> you have been listening to the Bookstorian podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian podcast. <laughs>